You can find more information, photos and advice sheets on all the plants and recipes that we talk about in this podcast by heading to the links in the show notes or on our website at sarahraven.com. Welcome to Grow, Cook, Eat, Arrange, the podcast of me, Sarah Raven, and my mate, Arthur Parkinson. And today we're going to do a really down-to-earth, practical, hands-on tips for looking after your summer containers. Arthur's garden is entirely in containers, so he is a living expert on how to keep things looking good now going from mid to late summer and into the autumn. And we have currently 370 pots at Perch Hill. (laughs) So I've become quite an expert too, although I have to admit it is not just me looking after them. So Arthur, shall we start perhaps with feeding, do you think? Yeah. I mean, I think it's really good that you you admit that you've got gardeners, Sarah, because the thing I, I find, particularly when I was working at a place like Kew Gardens, is all these gardens that you visit, which have the most gorgeous displays, there is an army behind that look. And um, it's, you know, they're literally preened every couple of days, these pots. They don't just get planted and exist. So it's quite a, an art of learning at home how to create a, a maintenance schedule, which doesn't mean that the garden's overbearing. And I'm learning every year of how to to try and make things a bit easier. And what's lovely is now that we've done a few of these episodes, I've learned quite a lot from our guest speakers. So we had the land gardens, which, you know, soil is everything. And and so I think the key to pot success is is investment in soil. Feed the soil, you feed your plants. So it's a win-win scenario. If you put your soil first when you're potting up your your summer displays, you you will make uh, the job far more easier because if your soil's healthy and full of goodness, that's going to then directly go into the plant's roots and you're going to have a wonderful display. So I think feeding starts with soil. And so we, we spoke about soil, but once yeah. you've planted your, your summer display, normally about three weeks in, I do tend to start feeding. And I, I've found that liquid seaweed feed is the best universal feed really for everything and everything in the garden and so i start to feed that about fortnightly to begin with yeah but by august i'm probably feeding it weekly particularly if i've got dailies in pots or cosmos or something hungry like a pumpkin because the wonderful thing about seaweed feed is it's also a foliage feed so rather than just thinking oh i can't i just feed everything with a tomato feed the problem with a tomato feed is that will only stimulate fruit and flower production. Mm. A seaweed feed will feed foliage and flowers because you want good foliage because that is the key thing to a billowing, beautiful, abundant pot, isn't it? Yep. So seaweed feed is my my number one top feed for everything. And I just, I just water that in. I only water, as we've mentioned, either in the morning at first light or in the evening. It tends to be in the evening, to be honest. I often do it in the dark with my iPhone light on because then that's a good opportunity to look for any slugs and snails that might be out. And also vine weevil, the absolute menace of the pot garden. They come out at night. And if you're noticing, particularly the first couple of flowers that start emerging on your petunias or cosmos or dahlias, if you go out in the morning and you're seeing these little in cuts on the petals, that quite often will be a vine weevil. Mm. 
And so that will tell you that you need to get your nematodes out. Um, yeah. I've actually got some on order. They're arriving in, hopefully, they might arrive this afternoon because I've got vine weevil issues this year. How do you apply that, Arthur? So the nematodes, they come in the post. They go straight in the fridge if I've not got time to put them in the garden because they're, they're a live culture. And so you work out how many litres of water. I think a packet goes into something like four litres of water, but it's all on the back. Yeah. And so you mix it into the watering can. You have to stir it constantly. So you do a relay from the from the kitchen sink or the bucket or wherever you've mixed the mixed them into out into the garden and um they're an organic application. I I nearly panicked and bought an over the counter vine weevil systemic pesticide, but I backed out because I just thought I really don't know how what chemicals are in this yeah. thing and I thought I can't water it into these cosmos and things because that would mean any systemic pesticide will be in the nectar and the pollen. So I'm I'm just waiting for these nematodes to arrive. They're really fantastic um, for vine weevil. So that's my top pest control of the summer, really. And then um, do you use SB Invigorator at all? Since I've, yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting. Again, when I was at Cure, it was something we used all the time. We'd literally spray things every day right. with it. We had, we had like backpacks of it. And I remember someone seeing you going, oh, it's just like posh washing up liquid. Right. But actually, it's it's a bit more than that. It, it is, again, a foliage feed as well, and it does help to prevent mildew. So I'm actually feeding all of our pelagoniums with it, and I'm finding that pelagoniums especially seem to really enjoy it. And it, it also stops any uh, aphids. I do think it has to be used every day, though. Oh, I don't gee. think it's just a, a one-off. No, uh, from Gosh. what I've found, because I find otherwise that it's very it's very weak in its... It's not a pesticide, it's, it's yeah. just a... A tonic. Uh, you know, it's yeah, a tonic. And if it's used daily, I think it does knock out the aphids. So yeah, I'd say to anyone if you've if you've got aphids, particularly with houseplants, um, I think it's really good stuff. Yeah. Okay, great. I mean that's um you've nailed it there, Arthur, I'd say, on the um on, on those, but we need to just also think about so watering. Yes. Why don't you talk about your watering regime at Mill Yard and then I'll talk about ours here. Well, um, one of the reasons I, I champion the big pot over the small pot, particularly for summer, is is due to watering. If I was to continue using all my dinky little lovely terracotta pots that look lovely in the spring with all the spring bulbs, I would I'd probably have a breakdown because they really do dry out really fast. Yeah. So switching to big pots for your summer display, I'd I'd really recommend. I actually don't do this, but I know Josie with your big galvanized um, troughs that I have too. Josie lines the the sides with any um, bits of polystyrene that you get when you get a, a new dishwasher or whatever delivered, mm. um, and this apparently helps to keep a metal container cooler. So that's something I must do whenever I get another trough. But if you've got terracotta long toms or pots, using old compost bags, putting them around the side before you fill them up with fresh potting compost for your summer display, that will help to reduce water loss. Because obviously terracotta is porous. Absolutely. So that's a really great, great tip to do. It's all about conserving water and uh, reducing the amount you need to water. I think for the first couple of weeks when you've potted out your your summer display is the most nervous time for watering. You can easily overwater before things have started to root. Going back to to pelagoniums, um, they especially will not like to be overwatered. And arctotis and things like that, which are all from you know, South African, very yeah. hot places. They will struggle if they're overwatered. 
But things like dahlias, dahlias I find are quite thirsty. So normally after three weeks of them being planted, they all start to get watered quite well, you know, once a week with a good watering can into each pot. And certainly once all the foliage is growing and that then creates a big umbrella over the pot, really, you can't rely on the rain at all. So that's when watering really has to start on like regimented fashion, almost every two days, to be honest, for us in a hot summer, so from July. Otherwise, I just find things start to flop and then they get stressed. Yeah. You'll notice if that ever happens, your flower production will drop right down because once the plant is stressed, it can't really produce as much as it would like to. And stress then causes mildew and a lot of common issues are caused by by underwatering. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, what we do here that Josie's taught me, well, we have families of pots, basically. Mm. So like with you down to your, from the gate to the front door, that's kind of like one family and then in your back, another family. So here, like the Dutch yard is one family and we we try and have a hose. So it's really easy to get to and to use because if anything's sort of complicated, like you've got to move a hose from one bit of the garden to another, yeah. you just think, oh, can't be bothered. <laughs> And mm. so you do it less than you need to. <laughs> so we really try and make the whole system work incredibly easily and with minimal hassle. And then you go around and we use a hose and with a, a wand waterer on the end. And it's really interesting if you actually are brave enough after a hot day to put your hand, I maybe don't recommend this, <laughs> under the water. Of course, where it's been in the hose, the last few meters have been baked till they're almost boiling in the hose pipe. So you don't want to do your first spray straight onto your plants because it's really, really hot and that will really scorch the plants. So you always just release the valve on the one waterer for, you know, literally 30 seconds because then the gush of cold water is coming straight out through the tap and then you start watering. And what we do is in each family, we walk around them once and you really want to stand over that pot for a good sort of minute, basically, in that first go round. And what you'll find with that, particularly if it's been hot for the last few days since you last watered, is that the compost has pulled away from the side of the pot. And so quite often the water will just slush straight out the bottom, which is hopeless. So you always want to go near the centre of the pot because it's more likely to rehydrate the compost like that. And so it'll then expand and press out and fill that gap between the edge of the pot and the compost. And, th and that's quite an important sort of obvious sort of technique, really. And then what you do is you move on to the next pot, the next pot, the next pot, and then really extravagant on time and, and extravagant on water, you go back and you do a second watering. Because in that interlude of if you've got sort of five or six pots in that five or six minutes, the water will have rehydrated what compost mix you've got in your pot. And it will then hold on to the water better. So in that second splashing with your hose pipe with the one waterer, it actually is when it really is effective and we'll get to the micro roots. Since we started doing that, we found we've got much better summer displays in our pots. And we don't ever use Osmogel, which is that weird sort of gunky stuff no. that expands. And that's because the year that we trialed it was actually really quite a wet summer. And we found that loads of our, again, like you say, the South African things, which a lot of our summer bedding are, uh, you know, as you say, the pelagoniums, the arctotis, the vanidiums, 
the uh, Nemesias, they're all South African originally, and they just rot if their roots mm. are in water. So Osmogel is a mixed blessing, I think. And I do think in a greenhouse it can have a purpose because you're, con- you're obviously completely in control of the watering. But when it's open to the elements and, and whatever the weather's doing, we find it makes our pots very vulnerable. Yeah. We, we have a, because um, we've got a small garden, we've got a hose that shrinks and enlarges when we switch it on. So we oh, can yeah. literally have our little hose pipe in a, in a bucket curled up. So it's not causing a visual horror. And we're finding that that's really helpful. It, it's one of those that's that swells up and then it goes really tiny uh, once the water's yeah, they're all brilliant. gone out of it. They don't last forever, unfortunately. They've got they no, my... we've got through two, but they they do save a, a summer of you know we used to water by bucket and now we do use the okay. hose. Yeah, and I find my my grandma Sheila's got one as well, and she wouldn't be able to water her garden without that. I'd like to trial a lot of these. I see. Like they're like glass balls with a stem and you shove the whole thing in a pot. I'd like yes. to do a trial of, of seeing if they do anything if you're wanting to go away on a long weekend. Yes. I mean, a, a lot of people ask me, have you got an automatic watering system? I don't because I'm constantly moving my pots around. Mm, that's a problem. I'd find it such a such a hassle if I if I wasn't able to do that. But I know, you know, some a lot of the, the formal gardens will have an automatic watering system on their containers. Yeah. And then I suppose perhaps the final thing, unless you can think of anything else, is is about deadheading. And certainly as we get into July and then into August, deadheading of pots is absolutely crucial. And one of the things I notice about you when you come here is not only do you deadhead, but you zhuzh. And so you go through the pots, removing all the browning foliage and then you deadhead. And whether it's in the greenhouse or here, so all the pelagoniums get a thorough going through by Arthur when he arrives. Yeah, on an on a open day as well. I, 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 I often stand next to a pot and I just preen it. It's all about preening, isn't it? Yeah. You know, we, we picked petunias last year. We did a lot of photographs of petunias in vases and we found this, the vase life of something like a petunia, which neither of us had ever picked before, yeah. was outstanding. And, yeah. if, you know, if you choose to pick, pick your container flowers, you are... You're basically pinching them out so they get bushier and mm. more invigorated. So I don't I don't do that much deadheading really of my pots because I'm constantly harvesting them. So like last night, I picked every single viola tiger eye <gasps> that was in the garden because I want them all for pressed flowers for for Christmas cards. Mm. Um, but I know when I in two weeks time there'll be more. Yeah. Like my mum watched. She went, "Oh my god, I can't believe you've done that." But it's like, well, I'm only here today, so I might as well pick them all, and there'll be more for you next week. Yeah. rather than letting them all run to seed and they all get tired then. No, you're quite brutal, but you're right. Yeah, I am brutal. I mean, I got that from you. I think I've got more brutal than you, <laughs> you were yes. now. Um, but I just know that it's it's not doing harm. It's it's making that plant think, oh, I've, I've not got a flower. I need to produce four more flowers now instead of one. Yeah. You know, I am, I am somebody who, if I've planted up a summer container, if I've gone to the garden centre and, you know, often you'll buy things that have got one flower on, I always cut it when i'm planting because yeah. it also means that that plant isn't as stressed because you're you're making it think about its roots rather than flower exactly exactly so yeah that's that's a good tip as well when you're planting up your summer containers often you, you know cut yourself a vase of any flowers it means your summer container hasn't got an instant bit of color but you'll see within days all side shoots will be coming on everything 
and your container will very quickly get much lovely and bushy. And it's, you know, I hate the look of a freshly planted container. So mm. I want the side shoots to come to, to cover that soil. So I suppose it's worth just touching on what you've mentioned there, which is the, the science of deadheading. Mm. And it's just that it's as simple as the fact that by removing the head as it's going over, you do various things. Firstly, you stop the flower running to seed and that takes energy from the plant and you, mm. you're not wanting the seed unless you are, so you might as well remove it. The second thing is that it makes the plant think, I've got to produce more flax, I've got to make more babies because they've nicked my seed. And the third thing is if you do it to the right place, which is always cutting the head, the far side of a pair of leaves what happens, so the flower side of a pair of leaves, what happens is that you promote a redistribution of the growth hormone. So rather than going to the apex of the plant and the flower, because there's a scar there now, it pushes out and develops axillary buds, which form between the main stem and the leaf. And those are next week's flower and flowers the week after. So by continually deadheading, or picking, as you say, live or deadheading. So either pick them live and bring them into the house or do them as they're going over. Either way, you're doing exactly the same thing, which is you're perpetuating the colour bonanza that you have in your in your containers. So, yeah, it's uh, all those things. So whether it be feeding, pest control, weeding, well, you don't really need to weed so much, do you? But obviously any weeds that you get in a pot... You want to remove because they're just yeah. competing with the plants that you want and then picking or deadheading. And you should have really fantastic containers. And with things like dahlias and the late flowering, stuff like pelagoniums and, as you mm. say, the um, arctotis, etc. We We can keep our pots looking pretty good at least until the end of October. But it's what you do now, I think, that really does make a difference to how long they're going to go on looking good. Do you do you believe in sources, Sarah, uh, under your pots, well, plant, plant sources? It's such a good question. In the winter, definitely not, because they form no. swimming pools. And it's houseplants. Really be careful. Don't water your houseplants and then leave them sitting in the water. So water your houseplants mm. into a saucer, leave it for 10 or 15 minutes, and then empty that water, unless they're a fern or something and they're happy in in, in a pond. Mm. So sources in the winter, definitely not. Sources in the summer, I think can serve a purpose, particularly you mentioned right at the beginning for baby pots. So yes. we, for tabletop pots here, you've got the double disadvantage, which is on a table, quite often they get baking hot on that surface. And particularly we have quite a few zinc tables here and they get really, really hot. So they're sitting mm. on top of an oven basically. And so actually having some ceramic between that and the pot, um, which has got some water it's in it, is, it does help. And then the second thing that I would always do in that situation, as well as have sources, is I would have a barrow with me or a tub truck, and I would put a, a three or four inches of water in the base of the barrow or the tub truck, and I would lift the whole lot of the pots into that water container and leave them for 10 minutes and go off and do something else or even 15 minutes and then take them out of the water and put them back on the table. That way you're rehydrating from the root up 
and it's a much more effective way of doing it. And then even if you then sprinkle water with a wand waterer over the top, you've then got the double bonus of top and bottom watering. But that way it won't then, because it will have rehydrated from the base and it won't then just um, slosh away and, and have no effect. So it's amazing how much one can talk about <laughs> the maintenance of one's pots in the summer. But I hope there's lots of, well, a few interesting things for you all to make your summer containers look glorious for even longer. Thank you for listening to Grow, Cook, Eat, Arrange with me, Arthur Parkinson and Sarah Raven. Next week, I'll be taking a week off and I will be listening to Sarah talking to Anna Jones about her new book, One Pot Pan Planet. You can find more information, photos and advice sheets on all the plants and recipes that we talk about in this podcast by heading to the links in the show notes or on our website at sarahoven.com.